Good morning. We are continuing our study on the Apostles' Creed, and this morning we'll be reading from Psalm 146, which you can find in the Bible that's in the pew on page 525. We're not going to do exposition or teaching just based on Psalm 146, but this psalm illustrates one of the many, many ways that God, the, the truth of God making all things is used to encourage God's people. Uh, and that's a central part of what we'll be talking about this morning. So I just wanted to set that before you. And we'll, we'll refer to this passage toward the end of our, our teaching today. But you'll notice how it tells us not to trust in human beings, but to trust in God alone. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations, praise the Lord. That's the reading of God's word. Let us pray together. <clears throat> oh Lord, as we come to admire you as our Father, as the Almighty One, as the Maker of heaven and earth, enlarge our hearts, Lord. Bring forth praise from our, our hearts and our lives. Bring forth worship and trust and obedience and delight. O oh Lord, work in our hearts as we consider your greatness and your glory. For it is in the name, the precious name of Jesus, that we pray. Amen. So how do we get through the heartbreak and the anguish and the disillusionment that we face in this life? Uh, well, let's ask it this way. How do we even grow and flourish in the face of heartache and anguish and disillusionment. I propose the Apostles' Creed. <laughs> you may think I put a little bit too much weight on the Apostles' Creed. Uh, just a quick review, we began our study last week on the Apostles' Creed. It's called the Apostles' Creed, not because it was written by the Apostles, but because it summarizes the teaching of the Apostles' And as you saw this morning, it begins with that little phrase, I believe. And it doesn't simply mean I believe these things to be true, but to believe in God, as we say there, means that we are entrusting ourselves to God. We're giving ourselves over to God. We're 
committing ourselves to this God. By saying these things, we really mean that these things define our lives, who we are, how we live, what we live for. And so it is because of these realities that we confess in the Apostles' Creed that we can grow and flourish as human beings in the face of heartache, heartbreak, anguish, and disillusionment. In the Apostles' Creed, we actually confess our hope against the darkness and pain of this world and even our hope in a new world to come. So we've come to this part of the creed where we say we trust in God, but then three things are said about him as God. We trust in God, the Father, the Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. So we'll look at them in that order. We trust in God as Father. That's what we say in this. One of the most amazing things about Jesus Christ was how he talked about God as his father. No human being had ever talked like that. He would say, my father. And then when we overhear his prayer to the father in John 17, he speaks of the love that he had with the father before the world began. He even speaks of the glory he had with the father Before the world began. And so we see that this man was none other than God the Son come in the flesh, giving us a peek into the forever inner life of God. Astounding. So before the world, there was this the Father and Son were in relationship. There is A relationship within God. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons in one God. There is family within God. There is love within God himself. That's who God is. That's one thing we confess when we say, I believe in God, the Father. But also, Jesus calls us into relationship with God as our Father. When he talks about God to his disciples, he says, your Father in heaven. And when he teaches his disciples to pray, he says, say this, our Father in heaven. And when he was raised from the dead, he said to Mary Magdalene, I ascend to go to my Father and your Father. So it's not simply that Jesus is, that that God is his father and he is his son, but we are the children of God. We address him as father. And so John writes to those who put them, that that those who put themselves in uh, trust in Jesus Christ are given the right and the privilege of being children of God. So through his death and resurrection, Jesus brings us into the very presence of God, the Father, as his adopted children. 
Jesus takes away our sin and brings us into this forever embrace of the Father. And John is so amazed that he says in 1 John 3, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. And there's something of that amazement when you say, I believe in God the Father. God is my Father through Jesus Christ. God is my Father through Jesus Christ. This is the Father who so loved the world of sinful human beings. He sent this Son and gave himself, His Son up for this sinful world. This Son He had loved from all eternity. That's some of the glory of this statement that we believe in the Father. That is the Father we trust. And His love for us as our Father is revealed in Christ. It's revealed when Christ dies on the cross because Jesus says, I do the works of my Father. I only do what I see my Father do. That's one of the most glorious things about Jesus Christ, that he loved us like the Father loved us. So the Father's love is expressed in Christ dying for us on the cross. That is the Father we trust. I believe in God the Father. And so in the midst of the terrible upheavals, devastating disappointments that you encounter in this life, you have, you are, you will... You must measure your father's love by the cross always. The cross calculates God's love. The cross defines God's attentive care for you. The cross calculates his passion to do you good. The cross measures his devoted love to you. To say, I believe in God the Father is to say, I believe the Father is for me. To say, I believe in God the Father is to say, I rely on the Father's abundant promises to do me good. To say, I believe in God the Father is to say, I take refuge forever in this Father, the one who gave his Son for me. He will be my shelter, my strength, and my hope and joy. I believe in the Father. But we trust God not only as Father, but right next to it right, is a, we trust in God the Father Almighty. We trust in God as Almighty. You remember Jesus teaches us to pray our Father in heaven. And he encourages us to believe in God's willingness to hear us by saying our Father. So our Father, he's willing to hear you. But he's in heaven. He's above the things of this world. He's exalted. He's not controlled by the things of this world. So he's your father. He's willing to bless you. He's in heaven. He's able to bless you. And nothing can stop him. No power in earth can stand in the way of this father's desire to bless his children. Our father in heaven. And that's what's being said here in the creed. Our father almighty. 
No power in heaven and earth can hinder the Father's plans to do every good for his people. He's almighty. His promises are certain because he is our loving Father. He will not turn away from us uh, from doing us good. But his promises are certain also because he's almighty. Nothing can stop him from doing good. You see... He's my father and he's almighty. What more can you ask for? The one who loves you so much, he gave his son and he's almighty to bless you. The father almighty. And so as almighty, he can bring about real change in his people's lives. There's no doubt about it. He brings about lasting change in his people's lives. For sure, he's the Almighty. He brings about deep change, heart change. He brings about changes in your perspective, in your attitude, in your desire, in your very purpose. He is Almighty. Some of you know the song, El Shaddai, sung by Amy Grant. And El Shaddai means... Most basically, the one who overpowers. And you see how wonderful that is for us. He overpowers all that stands against him to do his people good. He overpowers everything. All your enemies are defeated. Now and and finally in that last day. He overpowers all that stands against him to do you good. So, I believe in God the Father Almighty who powerfully acts for my good at all times because I'm his beloved child. But this is so hard to believe when our dreams are shattered. When we see what pain and darkness there is in the world and how much of it can engulf us and engulf the people we love. And so we take hope in the fact that he also gives us faith in his almighty power. He builds our faith and is a resource of faith for us. And so by his grace, I can believe he is my father who gave his own son for me. That he didn't hold anything back in his son and he will hold no good from me. And by his grace, I believe he's my almighty father. That he still governs and overrules everything that happens to me. Others may even do me harm, but he means it for my good and will use it for my good because he is my almighty father. And so Paul can say, if God is for us, who can be against us? God is our almighty father. All things are still in his mighty hands. And when you can't change and you haven't changed and you've cried out for a long time that he would change you, it is very difficult not to believe that he is ignoring you. It's very easy to think that Your concerns, your crippling concerns don't even register on his radar. He doesn't seem to care at all. He hadn't done anything about it. Maybe he can't do anything about it. 
These are the things we struggle with. And it's difficult to focus on him as the Father Almighty when you're in the midst of an unchanged life. You're in the midst of the struggle itself. Our own Jeremy Lellick emphasizes this in his writings, that it's easy to make an idol out of change itself. So you haven't changed like you want to yet. Your your circumstance hasn't changed like you would like for it to yet. But is that the measure of God's love for you? Is that the measure of God's power? Be careful that your lack of change isn't a pathway to unbelief. Has your lack of change robbed you of a sense of God's love or, or confidence in his power? We have to measure his love by the cross. That is so hard to do. That this defines his love. This defines his passion to do me good. Not my circumstance. And that he is indeed working and working and working. And he never stops working for me and in me. Because he is my almighty father. And so I urge you, brother and sisters, rest your case with him. No, he takes it up himself. He takes it upon himself. As Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your care upon him for he cares for you. In the midst of your struggle to change, one of the keys of change is to experience rest and peace in his presence. One of the important aspects of change is to taste and know his love. And so whatever the issue is, whatever embarrassing weakness, whatever shameful brokenness, whatever thing that you feel like you struggle with that nobody else does, which is not the case, but we all think that. Come to him and rest in him. I want to put before you a few lines of a hymn that we relegate to uh, revivals. And it's, we've said, we've said many times, yeah, after 16 verses of just as I am, I finally walked down just so he would quit, you know, whatever. But think of this in terms of your present struggle and all the mess that you feel like your life is in. And, and, and you, you and I fall in the, the trap of, well, I've got to fix this. I've got to clean it up in some way because he saved me in Christ. He's given me his spirit. And then look what mess I'm in. I've got to fix. I just can't come into his presence with all this. So you fall into performance all over again. I've got to earn the right for him to love me, earn the right for him to do something in my life. But remember that hymn, just as I am and tossed about with many a conflict, many a doubt, fightings within, fears without, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. That's not just your first step to come to Jesus. That's every step coming to Jesus. Always, just as I am, keep coming like that to him. Just as I am poor, wretched, blind, sight, riches, healing of the mind. Yes, all I need in thee to find. O Lamb of God, I come, I come. He is the Father Almighty. Rest yourself in him. That's what we mean when we say, I believe in the Father Almighty 
And finally, we trust in him as our father. We trust in him as almighty. And we trust in him as the maker of heaven and earth. We read earlier in Psalm 146, not to put our trust in people, right? We heard, blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. That's who you put your trust in. That's the only one to put your trust in, the one who made heaven and earth. Heaven and earth just means who made everything. (laughs) Everything. That's the God to trust. That's the being to trust. And the music team sang from Psalm 121, I will lift my eyes to the mountains. From whence shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You feel the faith of that? The encouragement, the hope in that? My hope doesn't just come from a place of weakness. Some human being, some group of kings, any nation. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And then when you think it is your father, the father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the father, your father through Christ, that is the maker of heaven and earth. That's encouraging. As the hymn says, this is my father's world. My father, the car mechanic, my my father, the postman, my father, the basketball coach, my father, the physical therapist, my father, maker of heaven and earth. This is my father's world. And among many aspects of this. Psalm 104, the whole psalm celebrates the greatness of God that is shown forth in every aspect of creation. Read it. Today, okay? Psalm 104, rehearse it. And we have to ask the question, am I astonished at what he has made? At what I get to see and hear and touch and smell and eat every day? Astonished? I like these synonyms. They're in alphabetical order. Creation can and will amaze and astound you. It will bewilder and boggle and dumbfound you and confound you. It will daze and dumbfound you. It will flabbergast and overwhelm you. It will shock, stagger, startle, stun, and stupefy you. How are you doing? How are you doing? With his creation. How are you doing with maker of heaven and earth? And brothers and sisters, if it doesn't, there is some sin involved. Maybe a lot of sin involved. God did not make all this to be ignored. And we realize how important it is because... After Paul talks about how God is revealed in all that is made in Romans chapter 1, how he's clearly seen in everything that's made, he tells us how we did with that revelation of God. How they, the humankind did. They, even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. 
And here's the startling thing. He then reels out the awful, horrific ocean of sin, river of sin that flowed from that initial dishonor and ingratitude. It's like all of our sins flow from our refusal to enjoy and delight in God and to be grateful for what he's given us. It's the heart of sin. It's the core of sin itself, Paul says. And so, are you going to keep going in that direction? Are you going to turn back and enjoy God in his creation? How might your life be relieved and enriched and encouraged with awe and gratitude at your maker? How much might you be turned from sin itself as you enrich your life with gratitude with God? How much edge of personality, how much anger, how much anxiety? Isn't it interesting that We sang the song, in the hymn we sang, it says, praise him. And it's talking about creation. And and it's calling us to to join in the praise of the whole creation. You'd think we would, like we're the leaders of creation, right? So all of creation is praising him. All of creation raises him up. Let us praise him and cast our care upon him. They're connected your honor and enjoyment, your delight in him as your creator, and your ability to cast your care upon him, maker of heaven and earth. It's a great line in that hymn. Praise him and cast all your care upon him. So we could ask, where's your all? <laughs> Are you exploring and delighting in his wonders? Are you amazed and grateful every day at least something? I'll just bring up one, our little tiny hummingbirds, right? Little hummingbirds' heartbeat, small ones, beats 80 times a second. I'm trying to figure out how that would sound. That's too slow. 80 times a second. His heartbeat is 1,260 times a minute in flight. That's 20 times a second, too. His metabolism is faster than any other animal, any other creature, except for insects. And this metabolism is such that he consumes five times his body weight in water every day. And I won't even tell you about his kidneys. Their work of uh, great technology as well. Well, they, that's those are a few sentences, just a few sentences about one tiny creature. Isn't it wonderful? I, I, I stood at a friend's uh, nursery out in the country in Mississippi, and he had a whole array of flowering plants uh, on his porch. And he had dozens and dozens of hummingbirds at once. And you would stand in the midst of it, and it wouldn't be just a hum. It'd be a small roar 
as they were just all around you. And you think, okay, Jesus, you can come now. <laughs> no. These, as Paul, as C.S. Lewis, Lewis says, these little theophanies. These little theophanies. Every day you see hundreds of little theophanies. Revelations of God's beauty. Why do you think he does it? To be ignored? Maybe to enrich you and enhance your life? Maybe to fill you with gratitude and awe and wonder? So don't dull out, right? Don't shut yourself from his majesty. It's shown not only in creation, but in culture and technology and construction that he's enabled humans to produce. But recognize him and delight in him as you enjoy the good things in culture. Embrace him in fellowship and gratitude as you embrace the good things in this world. I trust in the maker of heaven and earth. And in the first book of the Bible, Genesis, after making everything, God then makes us, he makes human beings, male and female, in his image to rule over and care for his creation. We're stewards of this creation. We're to discover the treasures in creation that will benefit, enhance our lives and communities, even as we protect his creation and enhance the flourishing of God's creation. What an honor! The, the psalmist in Psalm 8 just is staggered by the responsibility that God has put in man's hands. That he is the ruler of this world. And because it is God's world, you and I can feel at home in this vast creation. We can see how extensive the universe is and it seems like we're nothing. But he put us here. He wants us to be here. We are not alone. He, we are his creation. He knows us. We're in his presence. If he cares for the flowers and birds, Jesus says, oh, how much more does he care for you? I believe in the maker of heaven and earth. And if he's the maker of heaven and earth, he is your maker as well. He owns you by creation. He alone sustains you. He gives you every breath and every heartbeat. You're made in his image, so you're made like him and you're made for him. Give yourself over to him, for you are his Your dignity is that you're made for him to love and adore him. Don't despise your dignity. You're made for God. Don't despise your very honor as a human being. You're made for God. He made you to find yourself in seeking him and serving him in everything you do in this world. And finally, since this is creation, this is his creation, his rescue of mankind will include the rescue of creation itself. It's the maker of heaven and earth. He's the redeemer of heaven and earth. As awesome as creation is, Paul says in Romans 8 that creation is in bondage. He's reflecting on what Genesis 3 says of God cursing the earth 
But there will be a new creation when Christ comes again. The maker of heaven and earth will create a new heaven and new earth. John tells us in Revelation. Paul says in Colossians 1 that Christ will reconcile all things to himself. He's the maker of heaven and earth. He'll not lose it. Paul says in Ephesians 1, he will unite all things in himself. Christ will. All things in heaven, all things in earth. He's the maker of heaven and earth. He will not lose it. He will not lose it. And so... I end with this last verse of this great hymn. This is my father's world. Oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my father's world. The battle is not done. Jesus who died shall be satisfied and earth and heaven be one. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, we honor you and praise you, your great glory, your great might, your unending power, your unending goodness as the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Oh, Lord, call us to yourself. Call us to give ourselves up to this glorious God who has made all things. Call us, Lord, to serve you faithfully and gladly. Oh, Lord, ever be working in our lives. Gracious Father, almighty Father, thank you that we can be in your hands, your hands, maker of heaven and earth. Amen.